Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. You freaked me. I was in the middle of it. I just heard, wait, what? What? I don't know. And I'm like, God damn it. Roll it, roll it, roll it. What? (laughs) Oh, boy. So, Caleb. Yes. Hi. Hello. I've gone viral. Oh. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me about it. So I, uh, uh, shortly after the uh, Black Widow premiere, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I posted a video uh, of me on uh, TikTok and Instagram Reels. Yeah. And it's basically just saying like me after watching Black Widow and I do yeah. the pose, you know, the one that she gets made fun of by Yolanda. Oh, yeah. You're such a poser. I mean, that's so I one did of the, that. the best ongoing bits in the movie. Oh, it was great. Yeah, especially like the part later when Yelena does it and she goes, oh, and she shivers. <laughs> <laughs> disgusting. Um, and so I uh, I just did one where I like walk in screen, I drop my pencil and then I bend down, you know, I do the, the pose like, you know, she does. I flip my hair back mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's all to the theme of the, the Nirvana cover. And uh, at this moment, as of recording in the Twitch streaming, it's at about 197,000 views. Jesus. And uh, I'll tell you how many likes. It's at about 20,000 likes. Wow. And uh, listen, I love it, obviously. Like, it's cool. You know, it's great when people view your content and think it's cool. One, I wish it was something about the network or our podcast that we've been doing for almost four years. Like, I'd rather that go viral than me acting like a fucking idiot. Sure, Um, but but that's just how the internet works. Right. Uh, But the other thing is, though, is that now I wake up to tons and tons of Instagram comments of people just saying, you're such a poser. And I'm like, (laughs) I mean, I know it's the bit, but it's like, no. (laughs) But also it's true. But I mean, it's also true. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I think the last time I was like ever legitimately called a poser, it was probably like the year 2000. I think John Ryan called us posers when he realized, or maybe I just called myself a poser when I admitted mm. to uh, only having a very m- limited Wu Tang knowledge uh, when we did uh, Thirty Six Chamber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, again, accurate. <laughs> accurate. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I have uh, I have a fair amount of uh, of knowledge. Um, I, I mean, not a lot of Wu Tang, yeah. and all I know is really just 
from pop culture and stuff, I don't, you know, like I didn't grow up with, I was aware of their existence, but I wasn't like, I didn't grow up listening to Wu-Tang. You, I grew up listening to fucking Weird Al Yankovic. You at least were aware that they were nothing to fuck with, right? I was, I was well aware of that statuette. Yes, that's, that is, uh, that is a law in which I was aware. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, other than that, you know, and, and knowing a few of the people, that, that was about it. Um, you know, sad to say, but... It is I what it is. Didn't realize for a long time just how large the Wu Tang Clan was. was of, a lot of, of, of all the clans, uh, they were a fairly large actual clan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, to, I mean, goodness. you know, uh, in in speaking of uh, clans, yeah, yeah. I mean, as as clans go in the the Shaolin arts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what else would be a really cool clan? What would be? Uh, something else that would be a really cool clan is a, a group of time-traveling little people sent forth by a superior being. Mm. And with that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I'm Caleb, and we are international criminals. <laughs> international criminals. We're or at least we're going to be. <laughs> we're going to be. So we're here uh, with uh, carrying on the theme of time tra- our spillover time travel uh, a month, and uh, this is yet another listener request. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. one uh, this came from. Let me let me get get it right here. Uh, I think this was Julian. Uh, this okay. might have been Julian. Um, I I'm just, trying to remember. I updated the website today. And wrote that those words out, like who actually requested this. Um, yeah, yeah, Julian. So uh, Julian's given us a few. Uh, Julian was uh, the one who requested Peggy Sue. Uh, uh, and which, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Of course. I'm, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, we, got, we got today's and then uh, also another one coming up later this month. So one of our more active uh, listener request submitters. Uh, so, folks out there, if you want to hear us talk about your favorite or least favorite or just obscure movies, uh, let us know. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we've we been pushing this for a while because we're having so much fun not having to pick the movies. Uh, we just, it's true. You, we just, I literally, I'm keeping a running list, and we're just drawing from those, uh, and it's awesome. Uh, so, of course, you know, I, I mentioned that I just updated our website today. That's thenahoit.com. That's T-H-E-N-H-O-I-T.com, uh, where, of course, we have our... Uh, our upcoming schedule of, uh, of episodes for every month, uh, where you've got links to trailers as well as where you can find the movie streaming if available. Uh, this movie happened to be streaming on HBO max. Uh, so yeah. I, I was able to watch it there. Um, but yeah, just below that is a contact form that you can, uh, you can reach out to us and let us know what you want to hear us talk about. And, uh, we like, as long as we can find it and as long as it doesn't bum us out, uh, we'll watch it and we'll talk about it. And, uh, that's, that's really, uh, it for the rules. It can be, uh, incredible and just, you know, obscure that people haven't heard of. It can be just, you know, absolutely awful and, you know, a, a rollicking good time, uh, you know, anywhere in between. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Of course, you can always hit us up on uh, social media as well. Uh, Mike, what is that? That's uh, at the Nahoit podcast. 
At the Nohoi Podcast. Yeah, the N-H-O-I-T podcast. So just like our website, but add the word podcast on it on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, we also live stream uh, our recordings a week early from when the episode actually drops on Twitch, on twitch.tv slash Michael Fight. And you can, you know, if you pop in and you're like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm watching the show now and you said something or brought up a movie... Um, that I think you should do. Like uh, last week, somebody recommended a Neil Breen movie. So we'll probably uh, snag one of those in there as well. Um, But more specifically, Julian is actually in our Twitch chat right now um, uh, after we had just said that we had uh, covered this film. So Julian is here and, and, you know, he gets to hear the fruit of his labors, uh, so to speak, uh, as we talk about the movie uh, Time Bandits. So so in the Twitch chat is another great way to come in and uh, recommend movies. And of course, you can do that throughout the week too when I'm streaming on Twitch, you know, you're more than welcome to pop in and be like, yo, have you guys ever covered this movie? If not, you should suggest it and I'll make sure to mark it down. But all those other ways, you have so many ways of suggesting movies and all of them are super easy. Like, why would you not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I'm asking, Just, like, why would you not? That's, I, that's you know. <laughs> I can't think of a single reason not to. There, there really isn't, you know. Uh, you know, and then while you're at it, you know, leave us a rating and review over on uh, Apple Podcasts and that would be the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. So Time so, Bandits. Uh, so this is probably the most Terry Gilliam film that Terry Gilliam <laughs> has ever Gilliamed. Uh, I I had no idea what to expect, honestly, until I looked up uh, the IMDb profile and saw, first of all, like the, the writer, director, uh, and then like, you know, started looking at the cast and realized like, oh, wait a second. And then I looked at the poster said, oh, wait a second. <laughs> oh, wait. This is another uh, Monty Pythish sure. uh, yes. film. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, uh, like, they, there's a number of them out there that are basically as Monty Python as you can get without actually coming from the full troop. Yeah, I think this is, what, three-fifths of the group? Because um, uh, it has Michael Palin, Gillian, John Cleese, Cleese, and Terry Gilliam. And Palin, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that's, uh, I mean... There you go. And of course, the, right. the artwork style for the, the poster looks exactly like any Monty Python film. Uh, and then the just the general cinematography style is very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some of the like, I, I feel like it's it's a little bit less uh, kind of slapstick humor uh, that we, we see in some of the, the other ones. But the, there are definitely some great funny moments. Uh, oh, here. Totally. So. Yeah, I mean, this is 100%, you know, an adventure film. And now I, I have talked about this movie many times before, um, but The Adventures of Baron Munchausen is uh, is mm, yet mm-hmm. another Terry Gilliam film that kind of falls in line with this. Um, that one, you know, is is Terry Terry Gilliam, um, uh, Charles McCohen, uh, um, and uh, um, Eric Idle is, is in that. We will, we're going to cover that. I mean, it's... We have to at this point, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but this this kind of uh, I would almost consider the predecessor to uh, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. You can see a lot, a lot of the elements that you see in here. You see repeated in Baron Munchausen. You know the flying uh, ship. You know just the the larger than life people. The very like auspicious uh, celebrity cameos like Sean Connery, Shelley Duvall yeah. in Adventures of Baron Munchausen. You have like Robin Williams, Uma Thurman. Uh, I mean, Uma Thurman at that time wasn't as big as she is, you know, now or became later. She was much younger. Um, But what was her like big breakthrough? Was it the um, uh, was it Pulp Fiction or did she have something before that that really put her in the spotlight? She had to have something before that 
I think she got famous more uh, younger um, than than that. Because I mean, as of right now, it's like you know known for Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, uh, Batman Beyond, I guess, or Batman yeah. and Robin. Um, now I now I wonder. I'm totally off topic, but like it's it's got me curious. Oh, she was in Nausicaa. That was like her first uh, like know. actor credit. Uh, was the the voice of Kashana in Nausicaa Valley of the, in the of the Valley of the Wind, which interesting. Uh, one of my my favorite uh, anime films. Um, yeah, I mean it, it looks like like she did the Adventures of Baron Munchausen in 1988. She did Dangerous Liaisons in 1988. Um, it, Wait a I would say th- that um, her big break was pro- was Pulp Fiction. Yeah, it would have uh, to be maybe Jennifer she... Eight, but. She yeah. had a bunch of acting credits prior to Pulp Fiction, but that was really like the first, like I guess, big one. At least uh, the most well known. That like yeah, that really stands out. Or at least like uh, her her character because like Dangerous Liaisons was a, a fairly well known movie, but I don't think that her character was really like a big standout. No, uh, and I then don't remember short- her being in it. Yeah, and then re- like immediately after Pulp Fiction, she hit up the rom-com scene pretty hard. She's in Beautiful Girls, The Truth About Cats and Dogs. Mm-hmm. Then she hits uh, Batman and Robin, Gattaca, uh, an older version of Les Mis, um, the other mm. version of the Avengers. <laughs> the British Avengers. Uh, the British Avengers, Sweet and, <laughs> uh, sweet and Low Down. Um, uh, what yeah. else? Uh, and then Kill Bill, uh, Kill okay. Bill 2, Be Cool. Yeah. Uh, all right around the same time, the producers, my so super it, ex-girlfriend. So it's great. It had to have really been Pulp Fiction that put her in the spotlight. And then those kind of like random ones, like, you know, Batman and Robin, the Avengers, and then finally the Kill Bill that is like, boom, now like you definitely know who she is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I mean, so speaking of knowing uh, people in this movie, so obviously... Um, uh, you know, the, the big ones in this movie are Sean Connery, Shelley Duvall, yeah. John Cleese, uh, Catherine Hellman, uh, Ian Holm, uh, is in it. Uh, you know, obviously Michael Palin. Um, I- I'm trying to think the game show host was, um, uh, John Jim Broadbent. Broadbent, Jim Broadbent, yeah, 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 Jim yeah. Broadbent. yeah, who was, uh, more recently was, uh, Professor Horace Slughorn. Our slug, mm-hmm. Slughorn, Slugworth? I can't remember. Uh, Slughorn. Uh, Slugworth yeah. is from Willy Wonka. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, he works for me. Um, yeah, which they're remaking that with, uh, what's his name, Charlemagne. I, don't, I forgot what his name is. Again? Yeah, but it's. I guess it's the. It's a prequel to the um, Gene Wilder one. Like, it's oh. him getting the shop, like there's, young Willy Wonka. It's when he strange. leaves Hogwarts... And decides he's going to go sell candy to muggles. <laughs> and that's... See, that's my, my, my like, personal headcanon is yeah. that Mary Poppins, Dumbledore, and Willy Wonka, like, all went to school together. And, like, like Dumbledore got, like, you know, crazy extremist when, when he started hanging out with, uh, with the... Uh, what's his name there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the other two were like, yeah, we're just going to go and fuck with muggles and not <laughs> kill them. Um, so we're going to go off and do that and you guys go be weird and <laughs> see, I always thought over here, I always thought it was unofficial canon that, um, Mary Poppins was a time Lord. Yeah. I, I like that as well. I think that's another really good one. Yeah. And that's, it's kind of how you explain the Emily Blunt, even though she basically just becomes 
yeah. a carbon copy. Like she, she basically regenerates into an exact replica of herself. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> just slightly younger, I suppose. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, which is, which is great. Uh, yeah. I also like that one. Cause that explains why she's, uh, you know, essentially immortal, which yeah. like, I, I want to know, I would love for somebody to do like weird deep dive, like dark, like, hard pg-13 mary poppins where it goes into the dark side of of the fact that she just fucking lives forever you know yeah and like what's the what's the thing with that like is she cursed is it like you know just is she just some weird immortal being that traverses the world like obviously she can do magic or at least use or harness magic whether she is magical herself or uh, she is aware of magic She's a super advanced being that has technology so advanced it appears to be magic. She's Dr. Manhattan in disguise. Yeah. <laughs> pull the, just pull the fucking thing out of her head and we'll be, or put the thing in her head and we'll be good. I'm tired and of that's a, what, what are your theories about Mary Poppins? Like, tweet <laughs> at us what your theories about Mary Poppins are. Uh, I need to know. I was trying to think of how I knew um, Catherine Helmand because uh, she she plays uh, a just it's a, a very minor part, but it's still very cool that they cast her in it. She's uh, like the ogre's wife, uh, like kind of late in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and then I realized, oh, she's Mona. Mona. <laughs> <laughs> Who's yeah. the boss? She's Mona from Who's the Boss? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, Shelley Duvall, of course, uh, plays Penzi. Mm -hmm. uh, who we see opposite uh, Michael Palin um, in that. And so Ian Holm, we see, plays uh, um, uh, Napoleon, which I'm going to go off on my tangent again. Napoleon was like almost 5'9", uh, and he was actually not that short. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I knew the, the bit that like he was like technically average height. He wasn't uh, considered like actually that short. And like and I, I can't remember like how that really got started as like a, a mocking rumor uh, about him. Uh, but I remembered that that was the case. So I, I actually looked it up again. Turns out he was five foot two, but by French measurements, yeah. uh, where the, the inch, which I believe was a pousse, pousse, something like that, P-O-U-C-E, mm -hmm. um, was slightly longer than an English standard uh, inch. So yeah. when translated to English height, he was roughly 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, uh, which was just about average height uh, at the time. Uh, and honestly, is only a few inches shorter than I am, and that's not that short. Right. It's, it's very not, average. I mean, it, it's, it, it's not comically short, at least. <laughs> Right, right. It's not it's not to the point of where, you know, I mean, like, you know, they use Ian Holm in this, who is, uh, you know, notably short. Um, uh, I didn't realize that Ian Holm died only a year ago. That's very sad. Oh, that's right. That wasn't yeah. very long ago. Yeah, and uh, Ian Holm uh, played Bilbo in the uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, the Peter Jackson version of the Lord of the Rings. Oh, God, um, yeah. It was uh, June of, course, of last year. Jesus, so yeah. just over a year ago. Yeah, and of course, he's been in lots of other movies, but... Most people would probably recognize him as as uh, old Bilbo in uh, the the current Lord of the Rings, and of course John Cleese, uh, who is amazing, um, and uh, you know we we love John Cleese. He's what's actually kind of weird and depressing is that like this movie it was made in in or it was released in eighty one, so mm -hmm. uh, it was essentially released. It was you know the same year we were born. I'm trying to find if they give the exact date. Uh, to know if it was technically within our lifespan or not. Yeah, so November, November. 8th. So yeah, it was born, it was like 10 days before my birthday. 
And like right after mine, just a couple weeks after mine. Yep. Uh, so essentially this movie that was released in my lifetime and for all intents and purposes, yours as well. Uh, I would dare say the majority of the cast is no longer alive. Yeah. That's um, like really weird to think about. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's a lot of uh, people, you know, like uh, also Peter Vaughn, you, you mentioned him earlier. He was mm-hmm. in uh, Game of Thrones, but he plays the ogre. Yep. Um, uh, uh, yeah, he's Master Eamon. Uh, he died most recently. David Warner, uh, who was in this, who I remember David Warner, if I'm remembering correctly, David Warner is the scientist uh, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret I of Youth. I'm fairly certain you're correct. Uh, he was also Chancellor Gorkin. And uh, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Oh, hey. Uh, hey. Yeah. I mean, uh, which, uh, in Titanic, Will... he was in Tron. He was uh, in the, the more recent uh, Mary Poppins Returns. Speaking of Mary Poppins. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, st- he's still with us. He hasn't, yep. he hasn't left yet. Yeah, he's, he's still kicking around somewhere. In fact, yeah. he just celebrated uh, his 80th birthday. Well, uh, hey there. Three days ago, July 29th. Well, oh, happy yeah. birthday, uh, happy David birthday, Warner. David Warner. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's there's some happy news from this yeah. cast. Good for oh. good for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So time <laughs> bandits. So time bandits. You know, as we mentioned, if if you guys uh, watched uh, Jabberwocky with us mm-hmm, when we did mm-hmm. uh, Jabberwocky, and that was uh, another Terry Gilliam film, or if you're familiar with Monty Python or any of the other Terry and uh, Terry Gilliam films. This is right up there. So the yeah. film just, it's one of those movies just like Jabberwocky. It just starts. Like Terry Gilliam is is really big for just uh, starting movies. He never mm. really like leads people up into it. There's never like a build up like, oh, let's intro. Let's meet all our characters. He's just like, no, the movie starts right now. Yeah. Oh, you don't know your main character's name? Who gives a fuck? Here's yeah, the main, does, here's the story. It's starting immediately. And you're You'll like, figure it out. what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the story starts off, we get a young kid. He's sitting around with his parents. You know, we see the game show happening in the background where we see Horace Slughorn uh, talking Jim Broadbent. Um, and, uh, and then, so the kid is set off to bed. And he's laying in bed, and a knight comes crashing through uh, into his room, uh, you know, breaks off his lamp, jumps over him, and, and you know, runs off. And the boy looks around, and he realizes, you know, it was, you know, might have been a dream of some sort. Like, it just trashes his room. Except we get the, the implication that maybe it wasn't, because his dad comes up and is like, what did I tell you? Turn off the light, and no more noise. Yeah. so like it like all of this ruckus that this night busting out of the closet and disappearing right. through the the wall off into a, a forest uh <laughs> all of this ruckus uh apparently was heard downstairs um uh, but of course the uh, the you know, the classic scenario where even if the kid tried to explain it the parent wouldn't believe uh, right. because they never do ever they never fucking There's, do you know like you, you can never just default to, to trusting ever yeah. Especially with children. I mean, I don't I don't trust children either, so like I, I get right. it, but like, come on. Right. Once I, in a know, while they're gonna be right. You know, I always ask, uh, you know, I uh, I'm very good with my kid, you know, and I'll always ask if you're like, okay, well explain it to me, you know, like tell me exactly what happened. Let's let's try to figure it out. And then, you know, we'll walk through the irrational and get to the rational because they're a kid and they're always gonna go to the irrational because they don't know how to logic yet, you know. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I don't ever believe my kid though, but, but I, tr <laughs> I, I pretend that I do at the start and then eventually we, we get to, you know, or she'd be like, daddy, there was someone looking in my window and I'm like, we live on the third floor of an apartment complex. That's not true. So we're good. <laughs> like nobody is looking into your window. Okay. But that's how horror movies start. It is. It is. <laughs> Yeah. That is exactly that how is exactly how. But I mean, at that point, I, I, who am I to fight a supernatural being that can float to the third <laughs> story? I mean, at that point, you know, I'm I'm fucked. I'm going to be the fucked. first to die. So it doesn't matter, you know, at that point. You know, that's like trying to, you know, use a machine gun to fight a, an asteroid or something. What was that movie? The, the, uh, the Wandering Earth. Earth. The Wandering oh, Earth. <laughs> Jupiter. That was Ju Jupiter. Right, Jupiter was crashing into Earth. What a fucking wild movie that was. That's going to go in our the weird uh oh. folder oh my god i love it i love oh, it so, so much good. um uh but yeah so you know the dad comes Sweet. in he's like shut the hell up like why are you making so much noise go to bed and so he was like okay fine so the kid goes to bed um you know and then it's the next day and he's like i'm gonna go to bed early because like uh, i don't know i just want to go to bed early and they're like what are you doing so eventually the kid goes to bed again but this time he's ready and waiting. He's sitting in his bed. He's got his Polaroid camera and he's ready uh -huh. to take a photo when something happens. But he ends up nodding off, um, you know, and uh, uh, in stumbles in our troop of international criminals uh, and uh, robbers. Um, which would be Randall, Fidget, Strutter, Og, Wally, and Vermin. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Randall, I believe, or maybe it's Fidget. It's one of the two of them. I don't remember which one, but uh, one of them is actually in, uh, is one of the main characters in um, uh, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Yes. These six, um, uh, again, I think possibly only one of them still alive. I, I looked earlier and I can't remember the, exactly. Uh, but these six were basically like, if you can think of a like 70s, 80s, maybe early 90s era um, fantasy, sci-fi, uh, any kind of movie that uh, you know that was casting little people, whether it be you know a, a dwarf or an Ewok or a droid or what have you, a goblin, uh, or these a six spec? were yeah, these six were in it. Uh, <laughs> these pack, six pack. are like prolific in their their collective yeah. resume um and one of them was actually even in uh in some of the the gringotts scene in the harry potter series so there's oh, nice. harry potter connection not uh, og mike edmonds oh mike yeah so jack purvis was the one it was wally who yeah. was in uh the adventures of baron munchausen um, uh, and he was also in a couple of the Star Wars movies, uh, you know, and, and, you know, as we mentioned, some of them were in Willow. Yeah. Um, yeah, Willow. That was Peck. That was the word I was looking for uh. there, because that's what Val Kilmer calls him. Peck? Peck, 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 Peck. I can't wait. They're making a series of that, by the way. Yes. That they uh, announced that a long time ago, and... Uh, in fact, I remember uh, shortly after moving back out here to St. Louis uh, when I was still recording uh, basically at my TV because I didn't have a permanent setup. I yeah. remember you and you and me talking about that uh, series and how excited yeah. we were. Uh, and that was like two years ago. Uh, yeah. So gimme, 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 gimme. Gimme, um, yeah. And that's going to be a Disney Plus one. Yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, so. Cool. But yeah, so the, these six were, were in everything. 
and like, yeah. yeah, I think that that's that's pretty. And, and we kind of, we've kind of talked about it before how like that that was very much a, a time where like it's it's questionable. It's it's debatable uh, whether the frequent casting of little people was representation or exploitation, uh, and some definitely cross a line. But mm-hmm. uh, th- this feels uh, less exploitative uh, than than others. I think I don't know. I yeah, don't know. I mean, I uh, I, you know, I, I'm not really the expert to speak here, but yeah, I mean, and I'm not either, uh, you know, but from from an outsider perspective and a more modern perspective, when I look at this, I don't ever see like the fact that they were little people never seemed like the butt of a joke or like derogatory. Like they just that's just the who they were like, that's just what they're what they were like that's all it wasn't like uh it wasn't a point it wasn't it didn't matter that they were little people i mean there was like one scene and it's the one with napoleon yeah where he's like bring out you know i want to see little people like puppets hitting themselves and these guys just happen to stumble into that scene and and do the thing but it's not like it's not even like oh my god look at them they're so little he he kind of like saw it as like that's someone like me like it kind of made it seem like they were they were trying to there was like a kinship yeah, in that whole scene, Napoleon keeps going off about how tall everyone is. He's like, I invaded Italy because I heard they were short. And yeah. <laughs> like, there's not a person here that's under five foot six. <laughs> Just like keeps making that recurring joke. So he sees the the, the time bandits. And uh, as you said, like he, he immediately feels a, a kinship to them. And, yeah. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're not made to dress up in uh, like weird uh creature costumes they're not referred to as dwarves they're not they're really they're not like downplayed or, or put down at, at all really they're just they're the main characters this is their story like kevin yeah. comes along for the ride but like you know they're these beings that essentially work for for all intents and purposes god they refer to him as the supreme being uh and at one point kevin's like you mean god and like, well, we don't know him that well. We just work for him, <laughs> <laughs> which was such a fantastic line. And they, they like, they participate in the creation and upkeep of the universe. So, you know, they they make some great jokes. So, like, you know, the the universe is flawed. Like, there's there's lots of like holes that need patching. I mean, we only had seven days to do the thing. <laughs> like, you know, you should have seen this tree we made. It was it was six hundred feet tall and bright red, and it smelled terrible. <laughs> Yeah, and as a result, they got they got uh, demoted and yeah. Uh, banished. Yeah, so they they uh, are presented as being creatures that have like pretty significant power, uh, yeah. but feel like you know they 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 need an adventure. So they get a hold of this map that uh, shows them all of the all of the holes in the universe. Essentially, all of these places where uh, time essentially connects. There are these windows, these holes that allow to jump from point in time and point in space to somewhere else. Uh, so we see them jump to, obviously, you know, Kevin's bedroom, uh, but uh, ancient Greece and Sherwood Forest and... Uh, you know, good. Later, yeah, yeah, and later the, the Titanic. Like, all of these places, they just kind of bounce around. Um, and it's a really neat, uh, very 80s and very, like... Fuck rules, fuck science, whatnot. Like this is fun. This is magic. We're just jumping around through time. Like it's it's fun time travel. It doesn't take anything seriously, much less itself. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no like nobody talks about you know implication of uh, of the future. Like, because there's none. There it's, absolutely would be with what they're doing, right? I <laughs> mean, they like mess with Napoleon. They, you know, Kevin becomes the heir to Caesar, like <laughs> or whatever a Caesar like uh, character. King Agamemnon. Of oh, King Agamemnon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, the Minotaur. Yeah, you know, in the famous deserts of Greece. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it was a little bit weird. That was a little bit weird. Yeah. Uh yeah, so it it becomes this, you know, thing where they bounce around and it's, you know, the rules don't apply, which is fine. And you know, even in the end the supreme beings like, yeah, I knew what we were doing the whole time. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you guys needed a, a thing. I wanted to see what would happen. Yeah. Um and it was great. <laughs> so so they stumble into um uh, to Kevin's bedroom. You know, he wakes up, he flashes the light on him. They think he's the supreme being basically coming after them because they stole this map. And so they're like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, wait a minute, that's not him. Jump him. And so they they jump on his bed and they start like, you know, roughing him up. And then they're like, he's he's just a little kid. Um, And so they pick him up and then enter the supreme being, which is just a gigantic head. Which I love the the head of the late Ralph Richardson, who actually uh, passed just a couple years after this movie was released. So I oh, think this thing. was uh, this was not his last thing, uh, but it was pretty close. Um, That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's a shame. Um, but uh, yeah, very well known actor from from the uh, the early to mid twentieth uh, century. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love he's he spends most of the movie as the classic like ghosty floating head. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Only up until the very end. Um, so of course, you know, uh, the time bandits and Kevin are now like, we gotta go. So they start running and they, they learn they can push Kevin's, uh, wall and like open it up much like this is the same wall that the knight had previously gone through and like Mm -hmm. broken through and that showed the forest. So they push through it, you know, they get out and they're out, they're out in the forest and they start running off. And then, uh, this is where we get kind of our little mini info dump. So we learn, about the Supreme being, who the time bandits are, what they've done, and uh, our story fully begins. The wall is also one of the good, uh, like, kind of classic Monty Python-style bits, too, where, like, they start to push, and they, they like they get to a certain point, and they fall down, and Randall, who's ostensibly the leader of the group, you know, we mm-hmm. said no leaders, um, <laughs> he's like, no, no, we can't do it, like, we have to do it all together. Ready? Like, I'll count. One, and then everybody pushes. He's like, no, we don't do it on one. Nobody does it on one. What do we do? Two, three, three. Everybody pushes. Like, no! Everybody's just so special. <laughs> yeah. That was great. There was a, there's a lot of, like, uh, very Monty Python, like, the, the body falling from the sky, the quick cuts, you know, like, the zoom in, like, shaky movements to show mm-hmm. that somebody's quickly approaching. Mm-hmm. There was tons of those moments throughout the whole thing. So, Again, if you like, if Life of Brian is one of your favorite Monty Python movies, like even more so than like Holy Grail, like if Life of Brian was one of your favorites and you've never seen Time Bandits, you will absolutely love Time Bandits uh, full on because it is definitely more akin to a Life of Brian than it is a Holy Grail uh, film. Because you know, Holy Grail is very silly. This is more of a cohesive mm-hmm. adventure, I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, Holy Grail is an, a, a cohesive story as well. Speaking of which, uh, I went and saw The Green Knight uh, oh, the yeah. other day. So The Green Knight just came out. And so for those of you listening, yeah, yeah, The Green yeah. Knight came out a week ago. For those of you watching on Twitch, it came out two days ago. Holy shit, that was such a good movie. And I fucking love Dev Patel. Love Dev I, Patel. 
want to see that movie. Oh my God, you have to see it. It was so, so amazingly good. It just, uh, it was just such a good movie. And, you know, uh, I I was familiar with the story of the Green Knight uh, to begin with. Um, So, you know, it wasn't, it's not exactly a surprise. You know, I'm not going to be like, what happens next? You know, I got the general idea. Um, But like, it just was really, really well done. Uh, so David Lowry was the uh, the director for this film, and man, he did a really good job. It is there are some very trippy moments in the movie, and mm-hmm. I could see. I mean, it's eight twenty four. You know, they always do weird, trippy films, anyways. Yeah. Uh, the production company, but I think if I think if David Lowry had the chance to do a movie, and somebody was like, "All right, dude, you get to do a movie, but like." I'm going to reel it in to keep it a little more mainstream. And I don't mean that in the negative way, but kind of like keep it focused. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he he could become an absolutely amazing mainstream director. Now, I would also be very satisfied if he just only made movies like this, uh, like The Green Knight. I think yeah. that would be pretty awesome. I don't think he would see mainstream success, but I think he would you know, end up seeing a very big cult following, something to the akin of like a Wes Anderson. Um, because it was just so good. So good. Yeah. Trying to find a theater playing that nearby. And I made the mistake of looking at Google on the web. Uh, and it's nowhere near as good of a, like just quick search experience as it is on mobile where like actually show you like breakdown by theater and you can see it'll look to your location. Yeah. It'll be like, Hey, here's five theaters near you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks like it's only playing at one kind of hard to get to theater with two showings a day right now. So, so I, I, uh, when I went and saw it, I saw it at a Regal theater. So mm-hmm. pretty big theater and there were not a lot of showings of it. Um, okay. which is surprising cause there's only like three movies out right now. So it was like, what That's else just, do you have going on? Cause there's it's not like a this lot of showings at all. Jungle right now. cruising and a uh, jungle cruise and black widow. Those are like the only three movies out right now. Like what are you yeah. competing with? Well, I mean, old is still out as well. Uh, oh yeah, old, the Fast and the Furious, and then the yeah. uh, the Anthony Bourdain, uh, the Roadrunner. I think it's called. Oh yeah, that wasn't playing. Uh, I don't think so. At least at Regal, I didn't see it uh, on the list, um, which yeah. is odd because they have like twenty two theaters in my local one. So like, just throw it on one, you know, man. Yep. Most of the theaters around here are fairly small anyway. At least like most of the local ones that I would be more. Uh, likely to go to. Uh, yeah. So they typically only have at most a few movies showing at the same time right. anyway. And they only have so many uh, screens. Yeah, and they've, they've all been super restricted on how many showtimes and they've been like almost no matinees. Like four o'clock will be like the earliest that they start. Oh, wow. Um, which, yeah, it's really weird. Like the... Uh, the exception being when uh, Ellen and I went to see Black Widow was you know second time for me, uh, yeah. first time for her. We just wanted to get out of the heat, with, uh, you know, have some air conditioning for a little while, uh, while ours is still yeah. broken. Uh, we did manage to get a two o'clock showing on uh, on a weekend day. Oh, so, that's nice. That's, yeah, yeah. I'm actually uh, so this Friday I'm gonna go see uh, the Suicide Squad, mm. um, and I think my showing is at like twelve thirty on Hell Friday. Yeah. Yeah, we so used I'm really to do excited that, about that all the time. Like sometimes we'd go do like the super early bird, like you do like at 10, 10, 11 o'clock yeah. in the morning uh, yeah. on a weekend. I dig those. Like, yeah, get in before most people have even like left their house or like finished brunch or whatever, especially if it's on the weekend. Beat the the crazy crowds. That was my favorite. Hell yeah. 
Yeah, those are those. That's the way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so, time bandits. So, so all our cast of characters have come together. Um, you know, they crash land in uh, what is um, uh, at this point. They're wait, which, which one did they land in first? Because they go to the 1700s. They land the, in France first. Yeah, they land uh, or Italy. Well, in Italy outside of Castiglione. Yeah. Uh, where they, they meet Napoleon. That's their, mm -hmm. their first adventure. And you know, we've kind of touched on that a little bit. Yeah. So, so we meet Napoleon, we, we get that first adventure. This is where we get our big info dump. Um, and as everything's kind of going down, you know, they're like, ah, blah, 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 Napoleon, you know, this is the thing. And this is what we're doing. This is who we're escaping from. Uh, and from that moment, they actually, uh, uh, use the time travel thing again. And they explain like, Hey, this is who we are. We're time bandits. Or, you know, why Why go through and fix these holes when we can use them to get stinking rich? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, so they they bounce again, and this time they end up in the 1200, uh, the, the year, uh, somewhere around the year 1200, and uh, this is where we run into um, uh, Michael Palin and Shelley Duvall uh, as they crash into their ongoing carriage. Uh, so before we go into a little detail about that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Um, for those of you watching on Twitch, just, just chill for a second, and we'll be right back. Um, but, uh, yeah. So before you do that again, we've mentioned our social media and stuff like that. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. If you want weekly updates on all the things happening across night shift radio, we have a brand new show, uh, a brand new limited series actually launching next month, um, oh, called That's where crazy. no mom has gone before. Um, which is pretty fantastic. So, uh, Casey, the host of the super potty hero cast and his brother, Colin, uh, and their mom are actually going to go through and every month they are going to uh, go movie by movie of every Star Trek motion picture. And they're going to kick it off um, because of the, uh, what is it, 40, 30th, 40th 50th. anniversary, 50th anniversary of the original Star Trek uh, motion picture movie. And then yeah. every month they're going to go in uh, chronological order uh, of release date of the Star Trek movies, and they're going to keep going all the way through until uh, the most recent, um, I almost said LL Cool J, but I definitely meant J.J. Abrams. Uh, <laughs> the the J.J. Abrams, Abrams. Uh, Star Trek. Although I would be really excited if the LL Cool J, if LL Cool J made a Star Trek movie, yes. it'd be pretty fucking cool. And you never know, maybe by the time they're done, Quentin Tarantino will have made his Star Trek movie. Oh my um, God, I hope not. That was not. rumored. No, he, he's supposedly Fuck retired. Um, but yeah, thankfully. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so keep an eye out for that. That's going to be launching in September. So again, keep an eye on the, uh, on that newsletter, or of course, head directly to, uh, nightshiftradio.com. Uh, lots of great information in there. We just posted a brand new blog post, uh, about yeah. the top five worst movies we've ever, uh, oh reviewed. God, they're so bad. They're so bad. So and, bad. Uh, potentially by the time you're listening to this, if it's on your podcast player of choice, we will have released the top five best movies, uh, we have ever reviewed, which I've written up four of them and I'm still, I'm debating on, on the six that we've come up with, uh, actually seven. Cause I have one more, uh, to possibly add. So I got to figure out what our fifth is going to be. So we'll mm. have to chat about that at some point. There are um, a few that are so good. It's hard to decide. It right. really, yeah. really is. Yeah. A girl walks home alone at night. It's fucking oh, so masterpiece. Good. It was spectacular. Um, but all right, so we're going to go for a quick commercial break, and we will be right back. Hello. 
Hello, I'm Casey Ryan. And I'm Colin Ryan. And we're here to tell you about the new podcast coming to the Night Shift Radio Network. It's something two white cishet dudes have never covered. Star Trek. But here's the twist. The omnipotent god is actually a malfunctioning robot? No, well... Maybe, but the real twist is we roped our mom into it. That's me. Hi, Hi, Mom. Mom. In the monthly podcast, we will cover all the Trek movies from the motion picture to beyond. Our lifelong love of Trek comes from being introduced to it by our mom at a very young age. But that's a story for the podcast. Look at you, Mom. You're a natural. That's why I'm the Admiral. So join us September 8th for our monthly podcast, Where No Mom Has Gone Before. Available on the Night Shift Radio Network, wherever in subspace you catch your podcasts. Now, which one is the one with the whales? Four. Hey all, it's Michael Fight here, and I want to talk about Sat Condition 1, Night Shift Radio's premier Battlestar Galactica fan cast. Join the crew as they quest for Earth one episode at a time. Newcomer Andrea and seasoned vets Caleb and Kitsy discuss the 2004 sci-fi series as they try to figure out who are the Cylons. I hear they look like us now. They just entered the last season of the series, so you've got tons of episodes to binge to catch up before the new series launches next year. Trust me, you'll want to binge when you start this series. Join them at Condition one throughout the podcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. If you're like me, you used to sit in your driveway for as long as it took to hear the end of whatever dramatic tale was playing out on public radio that night. The Storyteller series is a loving homage to that classic radio theater. Lose yourself in original short stories. Performed by a full cast or delivered by a narrator and designed to take you on an audible journey. The Storyteller series is a Night Shift Radio original and is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Can't get enough? Or maybe you prefer the written word. Be sure to check out our monthly print edition as well at nightshiftradio.com slash storyteller. Hello and welcome back. So uh, here we are. Here's a a little fun tidbit. I'm down. Uh, David Rappaport, who played Randall, the, Mm -hmm. the, the leader of the bandits. Um, had an episode of Mr. Belvedere where he plays hey. Belvedere's cousin uh, who, uh, when, when Belvedere uh, is laid up and, and can't work for a little bit, they, they try to get a, a fill-in and they find, find his cousin Galen Belvedere, uh, who Mr. Belvedere hates. Oh, uh, my God, that, that's doesn't spectacular. Like. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I ever saw that episode because that doesn't ring a bell to me. Uh, but I, did, I do I remember that watching. show. Yeah, I remember watching show. that show. I, there, <laughs> you know, there's a few shows that I remember like distinctly watching. Mm-hmm. So like Mr. Belvedere, um, Webster, Punky Brewster, um, Doogie Howser. What else? Small Wonder, the little robot kid. Oh, I don't think I watched that one. Oh, same, uh, My Secret era. Identity. Oh, I don't know that one. Oh man, my secret identity is Jerry O'Connell, uh, <laughs> where he it's it's kind of the same uh, story as Flash, but he, I don't think he's fast. But he like gets into a, a an accident, and he ends up with superpowers. And one of his superpowers is that he's super lighter than air. So oh. when he he like uses aerosol cans like Iron Man, and it allows him to fly. Uh, Neat. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's Jerry O'Connell. Um, great show. Uh, and he had a couple other powers and I don't remember, uh, uh, what, what else, um, uh, he did in my secret identity, but that was, yeah. But so there's all those shows. I don't remember. 
I remember watching them and I remember I watched them pretty religiously. I yeah. couldn't fucking tell you most about those shows. Like I could yeah. not tell you Punky Brewster or Webster. Like I can picture it in my head, but I couldn't yeah. tell you an episode. Like if you were like, oh, here's this episode. You've probably seen it a million times. I'm like, yeah, probably. I don't remember fucking any of it. The only thing that stands out, like you mentioned Punky Brewster specifically, the only thing that stands out there is the episode where the kid gets trapped in the fridge because that's fucking traumatizing. <laughs> like, I don't even remember that. You know, I how, love that show. Memory is, is often tied to uh, to emotion in some way, mm-hmm. uh, either emotion or like some physical sensation, like, you know, scent it can trigger memory yeah. as well. But um, yeah, the, the trauma of that, like the, I remember that. I, I don't really remember anything else about the show uh, and not much else about that episode in particular, other than, you know, they're playing hide and seek and someone thinks it's it's cool to hide in, the, in an old fridge that's just like abandoned outside the house for yeah. some reason and gets trapped right. in there. And of course, uh, that contributes to my, uh, just you fucking pick a card in the irrational fears that I had a kid as a kid, uh, from various, uh, traumas like that, you know, never go near the fridge cause you might get trapped in there, even though there's no fucking room for me. <laughs> Yeah, Julian remembers. Yeah, Julian my remembers identity. my secret identity. See, Julian and I, we <laughs> were simpatico, man. We remember a lot of the same stuff. Um, yeah, I, th- dude, that show was great. Um, uh, and then you know, eventually, he, uh, Jerry O'Connell went and he did Sliders. Like very shortly after, like my secret identity went off the air, and then like a couple of years later or so, he did Sliders, and was like, oh shit, that kid grew up. Yeah. Uh, and now he's in Sliders, and, you know, it was kind of like the joke of, like, he's, you know, it's kind of like the, the like, perfect next thing for him, because it was very in, in line. Yeah, so... He, that was a time travel uh, thing, too, right? Yeah, that, yeah. that was a show that I absolutely fucking loved, and I need to go back, like, that when that came out on streaming years ago, I told myself, I'm gonna go back, and I'm gonna rewatch that. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and I didn't. Yeah. And now I'm I'm super worried that it's not going to hold up. Um, I I wonder. I loved that show so much. Yeah, yeah. So it was much. pretty good. Yeah. Um, and of course, completely forgot that uh, John Reese Davis was in it as well. Yeah, Davies. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, John. Yeah, John Reese Davis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also in Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so Time Bandits. So we'll we'll get back to Time Bandits. So uh, at this point now, you know they're they're in the 1200s. Um, you know, they end up robbing uh, uh, Pansy and uh, Michael Palin, who um, who is Vincent. Yes. And there's this weird ongoing joke where Michael Palin is, I would assume, making a joke about erectile dysfunction or something to that effect. It's very it's like that he has some sort of issue with his manhood. Uh, something. Uh, it's that- very, very implied. That problem that you had, like whether it be uh, erectile dysfunction or whether he gets boners too easily, uh, yeah. Because when they're you know when they're tied to the tree and get robbed, he's like, "It's happening," and she's <laughs> like, "Oh, don't worry about that." He's like, "What's what happening, your buddy? What, what is happening there, man? What you got going on down there?" Um, um, yeah, and I, I love that they like. I I kind of wish they'd used them more because I love that they're a recurring bit where uh, Vincent and Pansy show up later. Uh, on the Titanic, yeah, and Vincent has like a, a wart on his nose or something like that, and she's like, you know, "Oh, is that all? I, I can, I can look past that. I, you know, I still love you." And he's like, "You know, there was that other thing, but I, I promise that's it." 
Yeah. And she, she would say, she's like, oh, everybody has, you know, something weird about them. Like yeah. I have a very big, and then it, like they get interrupted by the, the time bed that's falling at them. What does she have a very big of? I need Again, very, very Monty Python humor. Oh, it is very, yeah. It's that like subtle sexual, like, yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, it was really good. So the time bandits, uh, so they're, they're in England and this, this is probably, uh, one of my favorite scenes. So they're in England. Um, and you know, they're, they're, uh, you know, they rob this carriage and then they get picked up by, uh, robbers and they're like, no, we're robbers too. Like, look at all the things we've got. And they're like, oh, are you? And he's like, yes, but you know, we should, we should, you know, link our groups together, but I'll only do it if I can talk to your boss. And he's like, mm. okay, I'll take you to the boss. So off they go to meet the boss, and who is, of course, uh, it is uh, Catherine Hellman, who is Mona. Uh, Mona comes out because she was the boss of Who's the Boss. No, I'm just kidding. It I, was, I, get it. <laughs> I was like, uh, where so, are you going you with like, this? Wait, what? That, that is not correct at all. <laughs> um, it's actually John Cleese. Yes. As Robin Hood. As Robin <laughs> Hood. <laughs> My name is Hood. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, all right, Mr. Hood. Um, yeah, absolutely great. And actually, the uh, the second robber is uh, is Neil McCarthy, um, right? Is that who I'm thinking of? I thought Maybe. it was someone else. I thought it was the dude from Snatch uh, and Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, but it's not. It's actually Neil McCarthy, um, who is the second robber guy. Uh, but anyway, so so uh, John Cleese comes out as Robin Hood. Uh, and you know, he's like, Oh, jolly good. Jolly, jolly good. That's spectacular. And, uh, you know, he's being very polite and, and complimenting them. And, you mm -hmm. know, they're like, well, look, we're bandits as well. Look at all the things we've stolen. And he's like, Oh, this is, this is great. The poor is going to love it. And they're like, wait, the what? And he's like, well, we're going to give it to the poor. You know, they're, they're going to be very helpful, you know, very, very grateful. And they're like, uh, no, wait, we, we stole this for me. So they go off to, uh, you know, and he's handing off all the items to the poor. And this was another, like, really funny scenes where he hands, uh, uh, you know, one of the poor people a, a valuable item, you know, a goblet or something like that. And mm -hmm. the other guy just keeps punching him. And he's like, was, I'm sorry, is, is this really necessary? And the guy's like, yes. And he's like, oh, well, Afraid carry on is. then. <laughs> <laughs> Every single one that walks up, they hand him a... You know, an, an old item of gold or whatnot. They get the punch in the face and then they get shooed away. Yeah, they get shooed other way. Like, you really must meet them, the poor. They're, they're quite wonderful. They're quite wonderful. But they haven't have two pennies to rub together, but uh, because they're great poor. spirits. Because they're poor. They're I great do, spirits. And then, I do so, love the, the joke that they, they pull off this you know, big heist you know, from Napoleon, barely escaping with their lives, only to run into Robin Hood, who's like, oh, You've stolen all this great stuff to give away. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, good for, good for you, chaps. Uh, and another very Monty Python esque line. Uh, you know, eventually the time bandits are like, "All right, let's get, let's just get out of here." So they run off, and then we see Robin Hood. And he's like, "Who are those people? Dreadful people. <laughs> they were quite awful." Uh, absolutely love it because you see him being very polite and uh, jolly, jolly good, jolly good. What's your name? How long have you been doing this? Uh, four foot one. Four foot one, really? It's quite, quite a long, a long time. time. <laughs> <laughs> Spectacular. John Cleese, genius. Um, and uh, so off they go. So after uh, after Robin Hood is when they eventually go to, not the Titanic, because is this the part where they split up and the kid ends up uh, with Agamemnon and then they end off somewhere else? Oh, because no, they end up, this is the ship, right? The ogre ship? 
Uh, no, so they're they're kind of wandering through the rain after leaving the the Merry Men, uh, and they're you know they're having an argument about where to go next, and uh, this is where we meet the the evil genius who is the antithesis to the supreme being, uh, played of course by uh, David Warner, who we mentioned earlier. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and. Uh, he decides to mind control one of them to lure them to bring the map uh, to his fortress of ultimate darkness uh, where he is uh, not, of course, not trapped. He can leave whenever he wants, but uh, you know, why would he? It's, it's, like, it's, it's perfectly nice here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. He's, just, he's, got a, he's got a grand plan that will totally fool the supreme being, uh, but his, his plan is to, to mind control the, the bandits to, to bring the, the map to him, uh, and they have an argument. They split. Uh, Kevin runs off and goes through uh, a, the there, – there are two time uh, windows, and he goes through the wrong one and ends up in – uh, again, what is supposed to be ancient Greece, uh, right? But looks like they borrowed a set from, you know, the the Last Temptation of Christ or something like that. Because he lands in the desert and uh, meets King Agamemnon as he's mm-hmm. fighting a, a bull-headed warrior, uh, and he, he he arrives just in time to uh, basically help distract the, the warrior enough for Agamemnon to slay the beast. Uh, and Agamemnon takes him back to his city, uh, which again looks like it's, it's straight out of what someone in 1981 when asked to do a set for like Jerusalem or something like that would have done. Uh, it's just it's like the leftover th- Ben-Hur set. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just, it's all like clay walls and the stairs that don't really need to be there and whatnot and just places for people to stand overlooking and cheering as, as someone enters the city uh, yep. as, as very, uh, you know, very custom for the time. <laughs> yep. Actually, it uh, did look like a set that was in, that would have been in like Life of Brian. Yeah, uh, actually, or something. You know yeah. what? That that makes sense. That probably was where they got it from. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it's just it looks like give me generic Middle East desert city. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. I, so one of the scenes. So going back a little bit, one of the scenes or one of the lines about the evil guy, um, which I thought was really great. He was, he was like. He's spending his time, you know, making things like slugs. Like slugs don't do anything when we could have lasers and computers. (laughs) (laughs) I would have started with lasers. Lasers. Eight a.m. the first day. (laughs) Right. Um, It's like slugs. Slugs don't even do anything. Although I, 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 I guess I'll I'll point out uh, this is uh, listed as a goof, but it actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, the there are you know as as I pointed out the you know inaccuracies in the the setting, uh, but you know, the goofier says you know it's meant to depict history as visualized by a well year old or well read eleven year old uh, rather than a formally trained historian. So I can totally why, see that. Yeah, it, it makes sense that like the kid wouldn't know what ancient Greece actually looked like and uh, you know, like Robin Hood, not real. Um, right. Know, things like that. So, uh, right. yeah, that makes Minotaur, sense. Minotaur, not real. The be- the, yeah. But speaking of Agamemnon, did you read the, the bit of trivia where the, the script originally, yeah. as, as written, uh, uh, introduced the Agamemnon character as, quote, the warrior took off his helmet, revealing someone that looks exactly like Sean Connery or an actor of equal but cheaper stature. Uh, <laughs> to writer, producer, and director Terry G- uh, Gilliam's surprise, the script ended up in Connery's hands. He expressed an interest in the part, and his agent approached him for the role. So basically, when writing the script, he like wrote like 
this guy is Sean Connery or whoever we can afford that looks as much like him as possible. And Sean Connery ended up wanting to do the part. He's like, all right, dude, that's why you do it. That is amazing. It really is. That is spectacular. I love that. Um, yeah. So we, so, you know, now Kevin and them are separated. Um, you know, the, the time bandits are off on their own. Kevin's stuck with Agamemnon, you know, and he kind of like laments about losing his friends and, you know, talks about like, you know, his old life and stuff like that. And, you know, he, he actually inadvertently saves Agamemnon from a minotaur, um, to which Agamemnon, you know, brings him back and is like, you know, and he was like, Hey, will you, can I stay here with you? Will you teach me how to sword fight? And he was like, yeah. And then he ends up uh, making him his his adopted son, basically, when he's going to be the the heir to the throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just at that moment, at the ceremony, the time bandits bust in and they perform a wonderful magic trick and they end up stealing Agamemnon's crown and making away, uh, making off with Kevin, who is obviously pissed yeah. because he was like, hello, I was about to be the fucking king of, you know, fucking Greece. Yeah. Um, there's also an unresolved plot that they, they make a point of mentioning, like, uh, Agamemnon at one point is like, remind the queen that I still rule here. Uh, yeah. And, you know, insert Sean Connery voice. Um, and then they, they make... Yeah, they make a point of showing her like several times as though she's plotting something like she's going to be at least like a minor bad, um, but like nothing ever comes of it. And it's, yeah, that that might just be like a like a historical wink, wink, nod, nod type thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So so off they go now. Now they're on the Titanic. And this is where we get the scene with uh, Vincent and Pansy talking about Nose War and her giant something um and uh uh at this point you know they're on the titanic they've they've you know got tons of jewels and money you know they're being treated like kings and and you know kevin's clearly upset and randall's talking to him and he's like listen man like you don't understand like we we we're gonna do this we're gonna go to the to the palace of darkness or whatever and we're gonna Mm -hmm. do you know we're gonna do this right and we're gonna have super fun and and steal this thing and and that's gonna be our adventure and he's like you ruined everything for me um, and just at that moment, the Titanic crashes, uh, and off they go, uh, you know, dropping into the water, um, you know, to again, this is where they use the map and they end up, uh, in, in the ocean again and being picked up by the ogre, yep. uh, and his wife into this giant ship. And now this, this part here is another one of those, like, this is exactly one of those things that is very much a predecessor to the adventures of Baron Munchausen because mm. things like this sort of scene happen multiple times throughout that movie. Um, so this is definitely like, you can see where those sort of like Terry Gilliam ideas are happening, like how he thinks the things he thinks about for, for, you know, kid children esque uh, movies, um, which is pretty wild. Well, I love it. Like, I, I... It's kind of a, a classic, like old married couple squabbling. Yeah. Uh, and then, like he's like he's got a bad back and is complaining about being in pain and complaining about like used to be be able to to fish out boots and hats and all manner of junk, but now it's just prawns all the time. <laughs> like uh, apparently, like hates being able to get actual fish out. You know, damn these these anti pollution measures, mm. um, and. You know, they they rescue quote unquote the the bandits and Kevin and you know, um the the ogre's wife is 
thrilled to be able to uh, to cook them up. She starts singing a song to herself about making fondue, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is great. Uh, and meanwhile, the ogre is keeping guard on them. Um, and she's like, just leer at them a bit. You know, just scare them like you used to. Uh, and so he, he tries to be scary, but uh, you know, it, his back hurts. And yeah. Kevin is like, like, oh, I, I know a cure for that. You just, you just need to be, you need to stretch. And so they fool him into like laying down and they're just going to all pull him in different directions to help him stretch. And like, oh yeah, just a little bit more. And they stretch, stretch, swing him over the side. (laughs) (laughs) And which even after it does, he's like, actually, my back does feel quite better. (laughs) Is this part of the cure? (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, the wife comes out and they, they bonk her into the ocean and uh, just as they do, you know, uh, the ogre who is still kind of in the like, oh, is this, oh, this is great. He's like, I can cough again. <laughs> and it sends the ship off flying, uh, you know, and it's, it's you know, going really fast, I should say. And it's going really fast across the ocean. But then eventually we see that the ship is actually a hat for a giant. Which was a really weird sequence. Because <laughs> the giant slowly starts coming out of the water. And of course, that's... That's causing all sorts of havoc inside the boat. Everyone goes, you know, below decks to, to be safe. And they're like, how do we, like, how do we get off this? They're like, pry the floorboards up. And they just see, like, the giant's bald skull. And they're like, hit it with hammers. And nothing happens. And so the, the kid looks around and finds a sleeping potion, because that's a thing. Yeah, it's totally a thing. Yeah, and puts I want it in um, a bellows and, like, stabs the bellows into his skull and just, like, Pumps the, the sleeping potion into his scalp, uh, which causes him to slowly, slowly drift off. And he just sits down on the land against a boulder. And that's the end of the giant. Yeah. It's uh, a and weird sequence. <laughs> it was a really weird se- It was, you know, it's just one of those like Terry Gilliam, you know, fucking acid trip moments, uh, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, <laughs> and so they wander off, you know, they're wandering off uh, this little beach area and they end up running into the invisible barrier. Yes. Um, and the invisible barrier is the line between the regular world and the palace of evil or whatever. Um and, you know, after a little squabble, they do, in fact, break down the barrier. They go in. And this is where we get our big climactic uh, fight scene. Uh, and we meet our, uh, you know, the Master of Evil, who's, you know, got lasers at his disposal. So the Master of Evil is one of those characters in a kid's movie where his power is whatever power he needs at that exact moment to mm-hmm. counter your very weird and specific attack. Like, that's yeah. exactly what his power is. Yep. Um, which is so pretty I, interesting because there's actually an anime that I'm watching right now called uh, Battle Story in Five Seconds, where uh, these people every get week kidnapped. There's a new one. Every, there's every always a new week. One. It's a new anime. <laughs> I watch a lot of anime. I know. So, I know. Uh, <laughs> so, in in the show, it's really cool. So in the show, uh, uh, these people are randomly like you know uh, brought in to play this game, and they end up like having to fight each other. But everybody gets a random special power, and like one person's power is like. I can turn a button into rope. Another person is like, I can quadruple my physical ability. Another is like, I can create a sword out of a stick that can cut through anything. Um, but the main character's power is, uh, which is really cool. It's whatever the other person thinks his power is, that's what it is. So if he's fighting someone and they think his power is to, as an example in the first episode is to have an, he can turn his arm into a super powerful laser cannon then his ability is to turn his arm into a superpower uh, laser cannon. But if his ability is like, 
he can sing in in perfect Italian, then his ability is he can sing in perfect Italian. It's just whatever his opponent thinks his ability is, that's what it is. That's strange. Um, which is super interesting. I love that because it's it, his power is. I do love my anime. His power is abstract, and I love I love that idea. Um, uh, but yeah, so so here we are uh, fighting the big villain. Uh, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know. And, uh, you know, uh, people come in and everybody's fighting at him and he, he turns people into other animals or half animals. There is a very terrible scene where he turns one of his henchmen into a dog. He's like, I'm sorry, I have to turn you into a dog now, Brendan, or whatever it is. And he turns the guy into a dog and then eventually he blows up the dog, which not oh. cool, man. Not cool. Yeah. I didn't yeah. like that. I mean, he kills all of his henchmen and like, yeah. that was fine. But like when he, it was Benson, when he, when he killed Benson, Benson the dog, not Brandon. Yeah. Not okay, man. I, I wasn't like, into that. Yeah. You evil son of a bitch. Motherfucker. So, uh, yeah. So then at this point, you know, um, uh, Kevin's like, listen, here's what we're going to do. Randall, you take the map, you go and, uh, get help. Um, you know, you, you go all over the place, get help. I'll be here and I'll distract him. So he stays and distracts him and then they go off. Randall comes back and brings in everybody that they had basically come across. So we see, you know, we see a bunch of cowboys. We see, you know, uh, some of the army from Agamemnon. Like we see a bunch of other people that all come in and they're, uh, fighting against him. And eventually, uh, you know, they, they do, uh, fight and blow him up and the Supreme being comes in and it's like, ah, you did it. Good job, guys. Uh, and yeah. So, uh, fun fact: all of the 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 fighters, essentially the the knights, the the um, cowboys, the archers, the tank, and like the laser gun spaceship, uh, were all toys from Kevin's collection from his, from yeah. his real life bedroom. We saw the uh, the tank. Um, they we see that uh, early in the film, um, and actually the uh, um, we see it later in the film too, in a, in a second. Um, but we see the tank. Like it, there's scenes where we see his wall, and his wall has all these pictures and drawings. And on mm -hmm. those pictures and drawings are all the places that he goes to. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very uh, Wizard of Ozzy type. There's no place like home uh, type ordeal. Um, but this movie ends super fucked up. And we need to talk about it because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's pretty yeah. fucked up. So after everything happens, the Supreme being comes in and he's like, oh, you know, uh, you know, you guys didn't actually steal the map from me. I knew what was happening the whole time, but now you're going to go back to doing your old job, but I'm giving you a pay cut. Um, and you know, Kevin's like, well, what do I do? And he's like, ah, you'll be fine. You got to go off and, you know, go back and do your thing. And he was like, okay. So Kevin is transported back. Uh, to his house and he wakes up in his bed and there's smoke everywhere at this point and firemen come busting through the, through the door and they're like, we got to go. They got to go. And they get him and they, they run him outside and they're like, are you okay? Are you okay? And it turns out that the, uh, the mom, uh, which this is a callback to the very beginning of the movies. They were talking about a microwave oven, uh, in which it, it's a super powerful microwave engine that could cook a thing in like six minutes or something. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. uh, it turns out she had left it on. She had left it running the the entire time and that's what started the fire so his mom and dad are outside holding the microwave oven and they're arguing about it mm -hmm. and they were like oh there's a thing and he's like don't touch the inside and they touch the inside and then they blow up and die Oh, we also have to mention one of the firefighters is Sean Connery. Yes. And he like Which winks at him and he looks at his, his bag idea. and he has all the photos of him and stuff. 
Yeah, that, that was his idea to be one of the firemen uh, counteries. Was it? Uh, That's really funny. But yeah, so like there, there's a hint uh, at the end when uh, when the supreme being blows up uh, the evil genius. Uh, like he's like, make sure you get all the pieces because even you know one, uh, like you know one touch of that you know pure concentrated evil uh, can. Uh, can turn you into hermit crabs, which is a very specific thing. It's very um, specific. But when Kevin sees the the like charred black chunk in the microwave, he recognizes that as a piece that like they specifically showed like rolling under a table and nobody collected. Yeah, uh, he recognizes it as a piece of the evil, and he's like, "Don't touch it! It's evil!" And they blow up, and so he's just instantly a homeless orphan. Yeah. Just, like just like that, and that's how the movie ends. Yeah, it just ends like that. It ends him like walking to his house. Like, what the fuck just happened? It's so what dark. do I do now? He is homeless and parentless. <laughs> what the fuck, Terry? Wait, why would you end him? This is a kids movie. That's the other thing. This is a kids movie, man. Why did you do this? Oh my Who God. does that? It just it goes from like this. Oh, this is this fun little cute adventure. What the fuck, man? It's fucking traumatizing. Why would you, why would you do that? Yeah, um, yeah. So, Time Bandits. So, should you watch this movie? Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean, it's a fun adventure. Again, if you love Terry Gilliam films or Monty Python in general, like don't go in expecting you know silly slapstick like Monty yeah. Python. Do go in expecting Monty Python ish ask uh, as uh, Caleb put it earlier. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like you know, we we've mentioned Jabberwocky a couple of times. We we watched that a while back. Um, I would say this feels a little bit more classic Python than Jabberwocky did. Yeah, um, and more cohesive. Yeah, um, but that, like it's it's not the Holy Grail, uh, but it, it's it's fun and yeah, uh, I like oddly holds up like it's very schlocky it's obviously the effects are terrible but they're kind of supposed to be yeah um, there's one point where there's these like big you know deer skull headed uh demon creatures that are chasing kevin around and they're literally shooting fireworks out of their eyes yeah uh, which just made me think of the the magic missile uh viral youtube video <laughs> yeah it's time for the final battle <laughs> magic yeah. missile oh i'm uh, out of mana <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, I, I think this was fun. And uh, Julian, thank you. Good yeah. recommendation. Thank you very much. This this was a very good recommendation. We uh, greatly appreciate it. Um, uh, a man of great taste. So uh, so that's the episode. So thanks a lot for watching, guys. We have uh, is next week our double feature, our classic Nahoit double feature. Is that next week? Is that that? Uh, I you know uh, what? We'll let me have double to... check. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so next doing... week is yeah, the man from Earth and Holocene. The man from Earth and the man from Earth Holocene. So oh. the request was just for the man from Earth, but I saw that like ten years apart, I think it was roughly, uh, a a sequel was released, and they're both streaming on Tubi. I'm like, why the fuck wouldn't we just go ahead I mean, and do both? So I can do it, right? You, Hell yeah. You didn't ask for this, but we're doing it anyway. I mean, to be fair, nobody ever asks for our double features, but we give it to them anyways, and they fucking love it. That's yes. that's that's how the end of the story is. <laughs> nobody has ever asked for a double feature, but, <laughs> but we do enjoy, it. But they enjoy it every time. Uh, so, all right, everyone, thanks a lot for watching, and we will see you next time.
a father's tragic past hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse, a cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism, a woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller Series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month, we bring a new short story to life in a full-cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts, and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.